0: Stay Sane with Jane, the show that helps you and your business to thrive and not just survive. Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds, Bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes a magical guided meditation led by Jane or one of her special guests. Here's your host, Jane Scander. Hello and welcome to the ninth episode of Stay Same with Jane and we are going to be interviewing Jotty who runs and owns and has founded Special Yoga. Um, Special Yoga it has a belief in the world that where everybody should be able to live with joy irrespective of the body that they were born into. So for almost 20 years, um, she's been teaching parents and educating um, uh, schools, healthcare professionals and carers, and giving helping them to uh, have practices that will change the, their lives and the lives of the people that they care for. Welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Oh, thank you for inviting me
0: so could you tell us a little bit more about yourself and we will we'll get on to special yoga
1: sure so um, well my life involves having moved down to Bournemouth about uh, five years ago now involves daily swimming and things like that as well as um, you know a very uh, strong meditation and yoga practice personally Um, I came across yoga in 1974 which of course in those days no one was doing yoga whereas today you know it's like quite a common thing to do and um, for me it was like one of those extraordinary aha moments of wow this is the practice that's going to heal my childhood trauma and will open up a pathway for my own personal healing and my recollection of that first class was a very sensory experience and I don't actually remember the Physical practice, so they were, there was chanting and there was incense burning, and everybody was dressed in white, and and it was really a very. Um, I came away thinking, wow, this is amazing, and they sent me home with a book called the Bhagavad Gita, which is one of the spiritual texts of yoga. It's not a spiritual text, philosophical text of yoga, really, which is very much about the 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 playground of the mind and how the mind can attack us and how the mind can can you know how, how you can change your thoughts to change your reality which is how you would translate it today I think a bit more you know in, uh, y- yogis wouldn't wouldn't like that particular <laughs> way of <describing laughs> you know, for me it was about the madness of the mind and it was really helpful um, to realize that there was something that made so much sense to me you know um, at an early age when this kinds of practices weren't available
0: yeah um was this in the <laughs> UK? that mm-hmm. you got first introduced to yoga.
1: Yeah, and I was I was, uh, I was, was in my teens. And, you know, as I said, in, in 74, this wasn't, ha- you know, there was, I mean, obviously you had the playoff from the 60s, you know, of kind of, you know, trippy and all, you know, med- you know meditation, all, all the different things that were happening in the 60s. But yeah. um, so p- there was a kind of conversation going on in the world about um, healing, I suppose, at some level, um, and meditation. But it was still... You know, it was still reserved for a few, not for many, let's put it that way. Mm. And there certainly wasn't yoga on every street corner, that's for sure, like there is today, you know.
0: Yeah, I can imagine now. it You're right, it is in every single high street across the UK, which is fantastic.
1: And everybody's heard about it too, even if they haven't done it. Yes, yeah,
0: it is. It is famous now. So back then, did... Were you um, like maybe the only one out of your group of friends, or yeah? Yeah.
1: yeah. Leading yeah. the way. <laughs> and then a few years later, I moved to New York and um, I walked past, in the early days of being there, I walked past this neon sign that said yoga. And I stepped in and I heard the teacher. You know, it didn't have like a reception area. It wasn't at Pish posh or like you know, so many of the places. <laughs> and I, you know, it was literally you were walked in, you were in the studio. You know, and yeah. uh, I heard the teacher saying to one of his students, you know, use your body as a vehicle of prayer. And I thought, oh, I'm home. Um, that really resonated for me. You know, that kind of very strong um, spiritual practice of of kind of connection that there's something greater than us that's, that I, you know, I've known since I was a young child. So. Um, you know, and I you know was talking to God from <laughs> or talking to something anyway. Yeah. I didn't know if it was necessarily as a child, but you know, I always had another conversation going on, so um, and I always felt like I was safe from that perspective, even through the trauma. So
0: mm. yeah, yeah, I really feel like children um have this divine connection because they've they've just come into the physical world, um, yeah. and I remember holding holding my daughter when you know she was months months old but she'd be staring she'd always stare off into black this black space wherever it was she'd be staring off into it and then come back and I was like oh I wonder where you are where do you go mm. they're off connecting to um yeah, yeah. to a higher source definitely definitely
1: definitely so that was that was my kind of foray into yoga and then After studying with that teacher for about 10 years, he said to me, go and teach. You know, so again, in those days, there weren't teacher training programs. It was still very much that kind of um, teacher to student. Um, You know, when you were ready, you were ready and not until you were ready. So it wasn't about your choice. And I I hadn't intended to teach anyway. That hadn't been my plan. It was just like, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, and of course, you don't you feel like you don't know enough. And, you know, all of the kind of insecurities that arise. So shortly after that, I came back to the UK and I did a training. I did do a training at that time. It was what late late eighties, I think, um, with some osteopaths, which was very mechanical. Um, but it gave me the confidence that because of the knowledge I didn't have in, in anatomy and physiology. I suppose you gained um, it through them. Yeah, gained it through them, and I found it a really difficult course to do because it had no spiritual content. It was very kind of analytical about how the body works and all the mechanics to it. Uh-huh. But, but it was a really good. Um, you know, it kind of fed a piece of me that I didn't feel confident in. So yeah. it gave me something, you know, but it wasn't easy. <laughs> no, and then no. I kind of opened up from there, really. You know, just I, I learned that, you know, you have to learn to be really, really, really present with your students. You know, class plans don't work. No expectations. I had a blind man and his dog showed up, I think, in my second or third class where I was teaching adults. And, um, you know, I hadn't worked with, I mean, I, I'd been around blind people before, but not in that capacity. And of course, there was a woman in the class who was terrified of dogs. So, so, you know, just navigating that and managing that. And, and you know, you can't teach the same way when you have somebody who's visually impaired, who can't see you. Demonstrate. Yes. So you have to kind of rethink how you explain what communication is, how you do it. So it kind of opened up a whole new world for me, just been gifted to me really yes um, students that rocked up in my classes and then shortly after that um a head teacher came and was you know was practicing with me and said I think my I think my school needs you you know and it was in a really deprived part of London and of course in those days in the late 80s there weren't diagnoses of autism and ADHD Mm. today so these kids were labeled as bad kids as opposed to kids who might need some help um and so the whole picture of that was quite different in those days and I I witnessed kids who felt like me you know twiddling and twitching and couldn't sit still and not connected to their bodies they're very dis, dis, disconnected mm-hmm. I said, interesting I know that one <laughs> you know <laughs> so um I thought well I don't really don't know what I'm doing but I'll just play around I'll just use the techniques that I work for me make them child-friendly without making them play and so I've always come to it from the therapeutic perspective of you know how do we regulate ourselves and you know what is it that's going to balance our nervous systems that's going to actually um, keep us connected to our bodies keep us connected to the earth you know and at the same time not lose that connection to spirit.
0: Yeah it's fascinating that a school back in the 80s um, was so open to having holistic health, mm. you know. That's amazing. Mm. Is um, I wish I wish all schools <laughs> could have you know yoga and meditation practices within them.
1: Well, I think I think a lot of them do now, but I think also think there's a lot of children's yoga that's not therapeutic, you know. In in actually, it's it, it's a play activity as opposed to a therapeutic tool where you're really looking at um, regulation, Mm. heart and connection. And the other thing that, that, you know, I've learned over the years about both being a parent and also just doing the work with with the children is that, you know, as an adult around the child, we can't, if we're dysregulated as the adult, we cannot regulate a child. And of course, science has backed that up now. You know, if you look at Stephen Porges' work, you know, around the, the polyvagal theory and all that, you know, it's very much about that connection between between each other that creates co-regulation. So we work a lot now, or we always have done. I mean, I've always believed that our state really matters. And I think that, you know, we're so busy trying to fix the kids that we, we, we were unaware of how important our state is, you know, and we're also not brought up, you know, people weren't brought up to to understand that taking care of yourself matters. You know, yeah. it was, do everything for everybody else, you know, because that's what's going to make you feel good in the world. And that's what's important in the world. But actually you can't give from an empty pot.
0: Yeah definitely and I think through my own experiences that um, as I've grown and developed and healed as a person, um, thankfully I started that journey before I had my daughter but there was still quite a lot to go afterwards but as I've kind of calmed and grounded into myself so has she and it's Mm -hmm. just been it's been a beautiful kind of process to to watch look back on. Mm-hmm. Um could you tell us a little bit about a little bit more about how you got started? So we've heard a bit of your journey, um mm-hmm. New York, UK, working in schools. How did special yoga become?
1: Well what happened was was that you know I was teaching um you know from the late 80s and um uh, you know, more and more children were coming to me. And and then um, it, you know, kind of struck me one day that, you know, actually what I was really connected to from my heart was uh, children with disabilities and uh, more special educational needs. And I just found myself following that path and um, met a teacher who was doing that work at that time. Um, and she asked me to open a center in London and house the work and so on and so forth. So that was really how it was built. And I was seeing a lot of kids at home and it sort of got a bit overwhelming to have so many people in and at my house. And at that time, also, I had adopted my second daughter and it was really disruptive for her with, with her, um, attachment needs to have t- too many people in the house. So mm-hmm. I needed a separation between work and home. Um, yeah. You know, which really wasn't separated at all, um, and so I opened a, a, a centre in London in it must be two thousand and two, two thousand and three, somewhere around there. Um, we, and you know, we, we set it up as a registered charity, and uh, it's, we're not a charity now, but we were in those days. Um, and we were, you know, we were. We found a very uh, beautiful centre, and I wondered how we were going to manage it, and you know, just it was. Um, talked about and then you know who to phone and the next thing you know is you're there and you've got it and we used to treat I think by the time we ended we were treating about 150 kids a week from there approximately wow. and um, you know we had a number of practitioners who had been trained with us and um, you know we were in running training programs from day one as well as having classes as well as doing kirtan as well as doing lots of different spiritual practices um, and you know, I'd always kind of wanted to make yoga available to everybody because at that point in time, certainly in those days, it was really only for the middle classes, you know. And I just okay. hate it because I just wanted it to be everybody to be able to get it. You know.
0: Yeah. So and um, when you say only available to the middle classes, was that for it's financial made, reasons?
1: Yeah, people who could pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. It was quite expensive, I think, for most people. So um You know, and I think it was, you know, I think it was sort of seen as a kind of middle-class activity, you know what I mean? So, you know, and it needed to make, and and now today it's much more accessible anyway, but in, you know, in the early days it wasn't, definitely, you know. So, yeah, yeah, there was a really big call for me. So we were able to, because we were a charity, we were able to um, help the children that couldn't afford it, and we had, you know. And I think that, you know, having a child with special needs crosses all eco-social boundaries anyway, you know, it does, yeah. yeah. You know, we used to have some a beautiful, we used to do, a, a, one of my favourite classes that we used to do, there was a, a family session for children with cerebral palsy and uh, PMLD, which is um, more complex needs. And you'd get amazing, all these mothers from all walks of life rocking up, you know, and um, they would just, you know, have, have discussions about their children's feeding tubes and this, that and the other, you know, just the conditions. Yes radicalization the you know, the challenges, the beauties, all all of it, and they just all got on, and it was just so extraordinary. And they also made friends with mm, each that's other. That's beautiful. They, you know, they used to go. You know, I, I would see them in the local park walking together with their wheelchairs, and you know, when one of the kids was in hospital, the mother, other mothers would rally around and drop coffee down there, and you know, they really took care of each other. And even today, you know, twenty
0: odd years later, they're still friends that's beautiful so it's not only it's not only help heal uh the the groups the training it's building community, community isn't it yeah. yeah and communities we mm-hmm. I don't know the love just grows doesn't it and the support
1: yeah yeah it was it was really yeah I mean that was my that was the, my, my most heartwarming class that I did, I think, you know, and just seeing them all hang out together. We didn't do that much yoga, but they, you know, just bringing them together was so, was so beautiful, you know. And, and mm-hmm. yoga isn't something you do anyway, it's a state of being, really. You know, yeah. I think you do yoga, but actually, we don't do yoga, we, we become yoga. Ooh.
0: Would you like to explain that a little bit more for the viewers and yeah. uh, listeners?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, I think that, you know, yoga is perceived as something that, you know, where you can talk yourself into like pretzel like shapes. And you, um, you uh, you know, in the class, you might get a bit of breathing and if you're lucky, you get a bit of relaxation at the end. But actually, it's a state of being. It's there's a whole philosophy behind yoga. And it's a really beautiful philosophy, actually. And, you know, there are in in uh, one of the primary texts they describe that there are eight limbs of yoga of which one is the physical practice and um one is the breath work and um and then the others are, are, are different states of meditation i suppose where you um you know kind of get the mind out of you you learn how to manage your mind so that you can be more connected oh, and that's really what yoga is is mm. when in a flow, you know what we would call today is you know that kind of flow state of you know being. <laughs> yeah.
0: You can't stop um, maybe negative things happening around you, but you can definitely change the way you react to them and flow with them. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And that's really that's why yoga becomes a state of being, as mm-hmm. opposed to something you do. And you know, at the end of the day, you know your life isn't really going to change if you can get your leg behind your head. No. <laughs> but your life will change if you learn how to live with your you know live you know in a really heartful place and you learn how to manage your thoughts and you know you you learn become the master of your mind
0: you know yeah that's beautiful it's going to change you know that's what's going to change your uh change your life in truth mm. So talking of changing lives, I know you do a lot of changing lives through special yoga. So if there are people in the audience that are thinking, oh, how, what would it look like? What would it look like to work with Jyoti, to work with uh, the special yoga team? Well, we,
1: in 2020, when COVID hit, you know, uh, we went online. And so we run online trainings now that consist of uh, live webinars, self-study, and also study groups that are all held by one of my, by one of the senior special yoga practitioners. And there's a journey that you could choose to take through special yoga um, that would, you know, take you from foundation to level one to level two. And it's the level two crowd that are now training alongside me or actually oftentimes training without me um and also you know supporting the new students coming in that's one pathway in we also have just opened up some short courses in different subjects for both parents and educators that might be around dyslexia that might be around self-care i mean really practical self-care stuff Or behavior in the classroom, or how to keep your classroom regulated, or how to uh, use yoga for cerebral palsy and um, PMLD. You know, the children who you would think, yeah, they can't do yoga because they can't move themselves, Um, you know, that kind of thing. So, we've got lots of short Mm -hmm. courses we've just created uh, as well. So, there's lots of different pathways into working with us. And it really depends on, you know, what calls you, I suppose, and what's going to be useful to you. I mean, a lot of our courses are, uh, uh, recently our courses have been very uh, much educator-filled, filled filled with educators. But uh, we've just opened an autism course, and most of the people on this one are parents, interestingly. So, you know, it's, it's all, and there's always a combination. And I think that's always interesting, too, is that when you get people together and an educator can listen to a parent, you know, from a different perspective, because our work is very heart-led, and one of the first practices we we teach you is a heart meditation, which I can share later on in the session. Fantastic. Um So we're very much about, you know, let let's 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 drop in here, you know, and get away from all of this, and, and you know, and I, I I I you know I often think that actually, in a way, the children are um, are brought here, you know. To 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 us as a gift to help our emotional and spiritual evolution actually, and as we as we
0: shift, then they also shift. Yeah, I have to say the growth that I've seen in my daughter's spiritual, mental and emotional over the past few years has been like astounding actually, absolutely astounding. Um. And it, I think, it really is that kind of spiritual practice that you, you're talking about. And for us as well, it's kind of grounding into nature, which I know you do so much of that <laughs> as well. Being, a, we moved from from London as well, um, and just. Being here by the sea, by the New Forest as well, it's it's just so magical for i for the mental health, for emotional health, and yep. obviously the physical health of you know you get to walk about, see, swim, dip, you know all of those all of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what uh, kind of piqued my mind there because I knew that. Um, You worked with children with um, ADHD, um, autism. Uh, I didn't know you worked with children with dyslexia. Mm -hmm. And in my head, for the other um, kind of different abilities, I can really see how special yoga would help with dyslexia I have dyslexia I Mm -hmm. I can't kind of compute it in my brain could you explain a little bit because a a lot of the interviewees that have come on are also dyslexic they've also got neurodiverse children so yeah this would be very very interesting
1: so if you if you um I mean first of all we're not here to fix the condition so let's let's, let's let's but I think that one of the so that there's a lot of different pictures. If you're just looking at dyslexia, there's a lot of different pictures. So first of all, the children lack confidence um, because they're not um, they're not encouraged to 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 kind of accept and be okay with and work with the condition as opposed to against it. So that's that's first of all. Um, you also have memories, you know, things with memory crossing m- midline of the body. So if you look at a lot of the, the dyslexia practices, not yoga ones, but, you know, ones that where they would work with you, what they're doing, if you watch them, is they're crossing midline of the body, their motor planning, motor coordination. Um, they're building on that. And I think that a lot of the yoga that we would look at with that population would offer that in a perhaps more holistic way and um, also yoga builds confidence so you can work with different aspects of balance you can work with you know in terms of balancing your physical body you can work with your emotional body, and so every every movement that you do in yoga, you know, every what well, they call them asanas, but the, you know, and that's a posture. So every yeah. posture has an emotional, physical, energetic, spiritual, even phys, uh, physiological impact on your system. And when you start to really understand that, you can put together specific practices that are going to work in different ways for different conditions and not every child with dyslexia is the same in the same way i've worked with thousands and thousands tens of thousands of children with autism i've never met two the same so you're always working with the person not the condition that's the first thing but what you're looking at is what's the energetic and emotional picture that's going on here so different breath work can help um open up brain pathways
0: uh yeah
1: no, so I think that there's a lot of different pathways into supporting um, dyslexia, depending on what's present. I also noticed a long time ago I was working with a number of uh, of children with dyslexia who had been uh, given the diagnosis of dyslexia years and years back, and I all noticed they all had a they all had a very similar physical uh, way they sat. So they slumped a lot. They were very weak in their core, you know, which you know and. Inner strength also impacts your outer strength. Uh There's a lot of different things that will I was witnessing. I also noticed quite low energy, kidney energy. So again, there are practices that can help build and sustain. You know, help support that. Um, uh, I mean, in our work, we use sound. We use uh, uh, different massage techniques. um, You know, that come from you know Chinese traditions. That come from you know different traditions. Uh, We use, um, you know, uh, Indian techniques, Chinese techniques. You know, you've got Ayurveda, you've got Chinese, traditional Chinese medicine, all of which has different, you know, um, pathways to Uh uh, opening up energetic and emotional blockages um, to help reach the potential for that person. I'm not saying we heal dyslexia because that's not what we're doing, but we're supporting it, you know. that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, it makes total sense, and it's actually helped me figure out um, sort of my my own journey with dyslexia as well. Because as a child, even when I went to secondary school, you know, I really, really struggled. But now, if you saw my writing and my spelling, you wouldn't know at all that I was dyslexic Mm -hmm. Um, and I've never kind of uh, maybe I've never kind of delved into why that is but I would say I would kind of always say to people oh I think my dyslexia sort of healed or changed like as I've grown as my brain has developed Mm -hmm. and also as uh, the, the big shifts happened when I was doing more Living more of a heartfelt life, shall we yeah. say, and more personal development. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that really makes total sense because I've been rewiring my brain mm-hmm. through the I mean, process.
1: We neuroplasticity, so that's possible. But the other thing that kind of popped into my head, and I think this this is not just about dyslexia. I think it's about all of us actually, is that to be in the optimal state for learning, you know, or thriving, or function. Yeah. We we have the optimal state is where we're regulated, you know, where our autonomic nervous system is in balance, where we're we're uh, uh, peaceful in our hearts. And the interesting thing is, is when we when we regulate our nervous system, your thoughts change.
0: Yes, they really do, don't they?
1: So then you start to be able to function optimally. You know, if you think about what it feels like to be really anxious and really stressed, that's usually where everything crosses. You know, if you've got that 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 brain that crosses wires, it's going to cross much more when your anxiety levels are very high. And, of course, in secondary school, you've got children, there's so much anxiety in schools, so much yeah. anxiety in schools. So how on earth, if you think about it, are these children who've got that additional um, challenge of, uh, you know, dyslexia, dyspraxia or autism or whatever it may be, you know, whatever, you know, uh, uh, diagnosis it may be, how on earth are they supposed to function in an anxious environment?
0: Mm. Because they really pick up on all the energy all around, don't of they? Course. Of course. Very empathetic. Next, well, I,
1: I think it's more and more important to actually get the adults around the children regulated so that you it's being held from a regulated place.
0: Yeah. So how if there's people if there's teachers listening if there's school's listening how can they get special yoga in
1: well, we, we run insights, twilights you know i mean we we've been doing i've been doing in, in you know in service training in schools for years and years and years you know um and we we bespoke it for you the, the school's needs
0: oh that's fantastic
1: So if you want a workshop specifically on dyslexia, we can do that. If you want one on self-care for teachers, we can do that. If you want one for reducing um, uh, behavior in the classrooms, we can do that. You know, I mean, we we will modify the practices or, you know, bespoke the, the trainings to support the needs. You know, really, for the most part, the practices are relatively similar from one thing to another. But the approach is different.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, Okay, so if if you were to give some advice or kind of some top tips about regulating, probably, um, or, you know, changing the environment, what I mean, what would they be? Something that we could all step into doing quite easily from, like, today onwards?
1: Well, i think that we need to value self care that's the first and foremost and not feel like it's something that it's selfish to to take that time for yourself and i think there's so many people still in the world that are, and i hear it regularly actually oh no 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 I, I haven't got time for me you know so that's number one is take time for you because if you if you uh, do that you're going to be of greater service to everybody else let alone for yourself you know And we deserve it, you know, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with taking care of you, you know. So that's first first of all. And I think it's really, even if you commit, and I think the other thing that happens is, oh, no, I haven't got an hour, so I'm not going to do anything.
0: Yes, that's so so true. you,
1: You can change your state in a matter of minutes. It's a matter of commitment and deciding that you're going to do that. So I would suggest that every morning you kind of, Take that moment to go, okay. So I'm going to give myself, I'm going to commit to five minutes today or 10 minutes today or whatever you feel you can manage. Don't do something you can't manage. Because as soon as you start to create something that's unmanageable and you don't do it, then you beat yourself up and then you go, and then it makes it worse. So then you get into that horrible cycle. Yes. So do something that you can manage. Three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, doesn't matter. It doesn't even really matter what it is. Just do something every day that's going to support you now that could be standing in nature it could be holding your heart it could be singing it could be swimming it could be doing some yoga positions it could be doing some breathing it doesn't matter just start somewhere yeah that can be you that that you can then that you'll find that if you do that you start to change how you feel then you're going to want to do more of it
0: Definitely. And I think that's that's perfect um, advice. I one of my friends years ago, she wanted to start doing meditation, but even the thought of it, it would send her into more anxiety of where is she going to find this 10 minutes that she's got to do. Um, And then she read this book. Unfortunately, I cannot remember who it was by or what it was called. but it was something like, you know, the one minute meditation. Yeah. So It was just, you know, listen, if you're, if you're at the supermarket, and you're waiting, you know, in the queue to go pay for your goods, that's your time. Just stop, hold, breathe. And just doing that process, you've just parked the car, stop, hold, breathe. It just it really, really changed her life. So yeah just getting those little bits of time in is a million times better than trying to try try and fit an hour in and then thinking oh no I can't I'll leave it
1: mm-hmm. yeah because you self-sabotage then don't you yes you know and what we want to do is to kind of start to reduce the self-sabotage and uh invite more kindness to self
0: <laughs> yeah definitely and it's that it's that self-care isn't it and yeah.
1: self-kindness too, you know. Just be kind to yourself. You know, the thing is, we're all humans. We're we're all a human mess anyway. You know, uh, you know, and anybody who thinks they're not, uh, <laughs> I'd be questioned. <laughs> Honest, you know, because we're all going to fall into black holes. We're all going to, you know, fall off wagons. We're all going to, you know, we, we can't all live in love and light all the time because it's not authentic and it's not true to being a human. Because as yeah. a human, you're going to experience every emotion all day, you know, throughout a day, and so it's just learning how to navigate your way through that without beating yourself up, you know, mm-hmm. and honor your humanness. You know, it's all very nice to like the bit, nice bits of yourself, but you know, you've got to learn to like the, the not so nice, but the things that you've labeled not so nice yeah the human bits that are kind of murky you know (laughs) yeah
0: the ego bits that we've
1: all got (laughs) of course we do so I think you know there's also that piece as well it's just learning more kindness to yourself for being human and for being just part of you know what it is to be a human being you know which is messy it's messy yeah you know (laughs) you know you know and just fantastic yeah, and so, The mess. <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, definitely. Um, so this heart uh, meditation, how much time uh, do you need to take us through this?
1: Um, I can do it in, uh, in three, three minutes,
0: four minutes. Oh, wow. OK. I was giving you like 20.
1: <laughs> we can do 20 minutes, but I'd, I'd rather do less just to give people an opportunity to see how you could use it
0: without having to have 20 minutes. Yes, fantastic, especially after what we've just spoken to. That's beautiful. Okay, then I am going to run the jingle and then we're going to come back to Jotty and I'm going to hand over the reins to her. Okay. Stay sane with Jane, the show that helps you and your business to thrive, not just survive. Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds, Bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes a magical guided meditation led by Jane or one of her special guests. Hello, and we're back and I am going to mute myself and hand the reins over to Jyoti to take us through this heart uh, meditation. Thank you. So
1: um, let's start by just um, bringing your hands onto the energetic space of your heart, which is kind of in the center of your chest around the level of your um, armpits. And I'm just going to invite you either to close your eyes, but if you're not comfortable to close your eyes, just put your gaze down so you don't need to be looking at me. And so just put your gaze down somewhere where you're going to be the least distracted, actually. And just start to just uh, bring some gentle awareness to your breath. So taking, letting the breath come in. And letting the breath go out. And you might feel your hands just moving up and down as you breathe in and as you breathe out. And then I'm going to invite you to um, say hello to your heart. So oftentimes we forget to do that. So you might say to your heart, how are you today? And sometimes our hearts feel very um, expansive and joyful. And other times our hearts can feel quite bruised and uh, needing to be kind of held and taken care of. And whatever you meet there is completely fine. We don't need to change it. We just learn to listen and we learn to be with and we learn to nurture ourselves with whatever it is that we need in this moment. So just taking a few moments to really connect with that beautiful heart that you have. And then what you might start to feel is the heart, the breath of the heart. So sometimes if there's that feeling of wanting to expand your breath beyond your heart space, above you, in, below you, in front of you and behind you. You could just let that happen if that's what feels right for you. And other times we just need to keep it small and safe and protected. So just learning to just be with and feel Whatever's there for you in your breath of your your heart today. There's something beautiful about just letting the the breath as it gently comes in, just gently touch you inside. We're soothing you in its touch holding you in its touch. And in this way, you start to make friends with your breath. allowing your breath to hold you, allowing your breath to support you. And then we could uh, add some words to say to our hearts. I'm listening and I'm here for you. I'm listening deeply to the call of my heart and I'm here for you. For many of us, it's not often that we really give ourselves these moments to be there for ourselves, to be our own best friend, to connect on that deeper level with with ourselves and our hearts. And then we might add to those words. I love you. I'm listening. I'm here for you. And I love you. Just noticing what arises as you say these words to yourself. Listening deeply to the call of your heart. Feeling the breath. Feeling those words. I'm listening, I'm here for you, and I love you. And knowing that at any moment in your day, you can always just bring your hands back onto your heart and just hold yourself, acknowledge yourself and just have that moment of intimacy, if you like, with yourself. And then you might want to just take a slightly deeper breath. Thank your heart for showing you whatever it's shown you today. Thank yourself for taking the time to be with your heart. And then you might want to rub the palms of your hands together just to get some warmth and some heat into the palms of your hands. And then you might want to just like rest your head inside your hands, opening your eyes inside the palms of your hands so that you can just draw in that beautiful warmth. And then closing your eyes one more time, rubbing the palms of your hands together again. And this time you can just just gently wash your face with your hands or your neck or your shoulders. And then we'll... End the practice by giving yourselves a beautiful, big, squeezy, I love me hug. Don't think there's enough hugs in the world. So give yourself a beautiful, I love me, squeezy hug. And uh, thank you for practicing with me today. And, uh, yeah, I hope that the practice was useful for you and that you can use it Um in, in any way you can
0: okay, so much. Jotty. that was beautiful very very relaxing calming centering and my body was definitely telling me have a little lie down after <laughs> you've recorded this go and lie down for 10 15 minutes so yeah. I am definitely going to do that <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Um, Is there, are there any offers for the audience, or how do they get in touch with you to book courses? Well,
1: the best way to book, uh, you know, to find out more about us is just to go on our website, which is www.specialyoga.co.uk, and everything you want is there. We also have an app which has a lot of free resources on it, which, you know, all all around self-care, which is through Mighty Networks. And I'm pretty sure you can access it through the website as well. Um, But if you go on Mighty Networks and you put on special yoga, you'll come to us and it's free to join. And
0: um, there are loads of free resources there and a nice community. Fantastic, um, and the website is really, really informative. It's easy to navigate. You can in the home, you can look at practitioners, the community, uh, teacher training stuff for schools, on-demand courses. Um, yeah, it's it's all here, and you can sign up for a newsletter and and get in contact. And it's really easy to navigate um and it's full of beautiful beautiful pictures of all sorts of children and adults doing breathing and yoga and just being there together for each other so thank you so much for all your words of wisdom I feel like we're really ending on some zen right now and everybody is nice and super calm any any last words of wisdom before we go thank you and practice <laughs> just keep practicing yes. just a little bit a time just a little
1: bit of time make it manageable be kind to yourself fantastic thank you so much Jotty it's lovely to um to be able to be with you today thanks
0: Thank you. And we will see you again very soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Stay sane with Jane. The show that helps you and your business to thrive and not just survive. Tune in each week as Jane connects with guests in the wellness, business and publishing worlds. Bringing you the most up-to-date training, techniques, healing and guidance for growth, mindset and motivation. Each session includes